to Veg Out, Toronto's vegetarian podcast, where we talk about all things veg in the GTA. We come to you virtually from our homes and we are heard on CJRU 1280 AM campus community radio. We are a part of VegTO, a nonprofit that inspires people to choose a healthier, greener and more compassionate lifestyle through plant-based eating. My name is Swetha. And I'm Barbie. And today we are talking about cookbooks, not the cookbooks that are the top rated best selling ones of this time, but of the yesteryear, like 10, 15 years ago, the retro cookbooks. But before we get into that, um, let's get into some news. And Barbie, you're like the queen of news. Go ahead and start us <laughs> off. Okay, well, I'm excited to say that events are kicking off again. Um, you may have heard that on Saturday, March 4th, uh, the Wishbone Animal Rights Lab is finally having their um, launch and open house. They have been sort of semi-open for a specific event so far, but this is going to be their big launch. So definitely go and check them out. I know we had Sue on here, so she told you all about them. Uh, they're going to have some food. They're going to have some entertainment. Uh, it's just kind of like a drop-in thing. Um, of course, they're accepting donations. It's from 1 to 4, 1 to 4 p.m. That's exciting. And we also have March 7th, uh, Jingle Bear Deli. Jingle Pear Deli <laughs> is doing an online cooking tofu 101 course. $25 and tickets are for sale on Eventbrite. And they didn't have a specific link, uh, but they said if you just go to Eventbrite and you search Tofu 101, it should come up. And then just a little bit further down the line, save the date. We also recently had uh, Wishing Well on here and they have an event coming up as well. That is on May 7th. Oh, and it's one of their family days. So that is always super fun. It's at starts at 10 a.m. on Sunday, May 7th. Uh, you don't have to show up right at 10 a.m. Uh, they're actually going to have, it's going to be like a full day. It says that they're going to have more than 50 vendors. Um which is super cool. So that sounds super cool. It also says they have tractor rides. Obviously, you can meet the animals and that's from 10 to 3. That sounds super cool. Do you think you'll go to that? Yes, I did not realize that was <laughs> happening. I just need to make sure that I can go and then I want to go. Yes. It's been a while since you've had an event like that with vendors and things in the city. Mm -hmm. Now, on top of all of that, Barbie, you're working on a project with the Veg Food Bank. Could you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So a couple of friends and I are, yeah, we are collecting things for the clients of the Toronto Vegetarian Food Bank who have pets. So um, yeah, we're just trying to, we're collecting things uh, such as items for the pets. We were hoping to collect gift cards for uh, sort of chain pet stores like Pet Value or PetSmart so that people could have gift cards to purchase food for their pets because obviously everyone's pets usually have different diets. Um, unfortunately, we have not had success with, with getting donations from stores. I think I'm, I'm naive. I'm used to like reaching out to local vegan businesses to help support things and sponsor. And uh, I was naive in thinking that corporations like Pet Value and PetSmart would, would want to help the same. So that's been a little disappointing. Um, if anyone is interested in donating, we are still looking specifically for, we've been, we've gotten some generous donations from people for dogs, but they're actually apparently 42 clients. Uh, the Veg Food Bank did sort of like a survey of their clients to see who has pets uh, who come regularly. So um, yeah, there's a lot of people with cats. And so we're looking for 
things like dental treats, regular treats, collars, toys, blankets, brushes for for cats. And then they actually have a few clients with birds. Um, so we're also looking for things donated items like, and sorry, I should have said for all these things, sort of like gently used items, toys, especially things that they can peck at and claw at, um, things that will clip onto a cage. Um, there's a couple of rabbits. So also looking for things for them, fleece blankets, hay, enrichment toys. And um, there's also apparently three clients who have snakes. And so we're also looking, I'm not an expert in snakes, but I uh, tried to do a little bit of research and apparently they like sticks, logs or rocks wicker baskets or bowls, uh, hollow ball toys. Um, yeah, so those are some of the things. Or if anyone wants to be really, really generous and purchase some gift cards, uh, like I said, even for like $10, a few gift cards to Pet Value or PetSmart or something like that. And yeah, so if you are interested in donating to that, you can contact me at our email address for the podcast, which is tvp at veg.ca. Great. Now, is this an ongoing thing? Are you going to come back like next month and look for more donations or is this more of a one-off thing and you'll see how it goes maybe? Yeah, it's just a just a one-off thing. I was inspired by, I read about this organization or just actually these people in um, in Sedona. When I was there last year, um, I had taken like some local newspaper and there was a story about just a woman who what she did there in her case was she collected bags of things for pets for people that uh, for people who were homeless and like drop them off around Christmas. It's like gift, bag, gift bags for their pets. And I had trouble, I guess, you know, it's easier kind of to do something like that in like a small town like Sedona. Um, it's a little harder in a big city like Toronto. Uh, someone like myself was not involved sort of in homeless outreach and I didn't really know how to do that. So um, yeah, this was kind of like a compromise, a way to try to help people in some way. Yeah, for sure. Did you hear about the uh, vegan high tea at the Shangri-La Hotel. There's a Shangri-La Hotel. <laughs> yes. So like super fancy hotel. And I saw someone post this on the Toronto Vegans group that, yeah, they have like a vegan high tea. And I don't remember all the details now, but she showed a picture and she was like, yeah, it's like just as, um, you know, abundant as the regular high tea. That's not like the vegan one is just kind of like she did and stuff. Like they made things. There was like real desserts. There was like some sort of like stuffed avocado mousse thing i don't remember if she said how much it was she probably said how much it was but i don't remember so it's probably expensive but just like the idea that you could go to like a high tea in a fancy hotel like that i think is is pretty exciting in fact until we just mentioned it right now i totally forgot about that i feel like i have to have to make a plan do you want to come with me sure <laughs> let's uh let's knock out some time during this podcast and look at our calendars yeah <laughs> okay Cookbooks. Are you ready to talk about cookbooks? Yes. I, I am under the impression that you and I went vegan around the same time because mm -hmm. um, this is uh, this is trivia for our listeners. Yeah. We <laughs> actually went to York University together. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we were in an animal rights uh, group there. And that's how we actually initially met. And then we reconnected yeah. a few years later with the TVA. So that that for some reason gives me the impression that we went vegan around the same time although you could have went vegan like 10 years before and a child yeah either way we're both pretty we're pretty old school we were vegan before it was cool that's right um yes, yes. so do you <laughs> do you remember like back in those days so this would have been mm -hmm. like early 2000s uh 2005 2006 something like that do you remember where you got your recipes from like when you switched to this vegan thing you're like oh mm -hmm. what do I eat now do you remember Yes, I do. I remember very clearly. So I kind of got into veganism uh, through punk rock. I was into punk rock. And so I was like 
hearing bands think about them. And I was also sort of like into zines and the zine culture. So I used to, I had come across um, my very first like quote unquote cookbook was actually this zine called uh, Soy Not Oi. And um, if my headphones were to touch the computer, I'd run and grab it so I could show it to you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and I remember, it's so funny, I just coincidentally, unrelated to this podcast, was recently thinking about, um, yeah, so obviously things were like less, I don't know, quote unquote creative or whatever, um, back then. And so I remember like this recipe I used to make all the time that was just like tofu tempura. And it was just like, like a batter made with like cornstarch and water and flour. And you would, I would like cut up pieces of tofu and then I would like deep fry it in a frying pan. And I'm like, I remember, like, I just thought it was like the best thing ever. And so I was thinking recently that I should go and try it again and see if it's still good. But yeah, that was definitely like my first, first, uh, I guess like exploratory, um, I don't know, experience in like cooking for myself. Cause I grew up with, um, like my mom was a housewife. And so she did, you know, like I was not independent at all, hadn't done any of my own cooking. And while my parents were pretty, they were pretty like supportive of going vegan and my mom did try to cook things. Yeah, it was definitely like something that I had to. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that about the the tofu thing, like you want to go back and try it again, because I wonder how many dishes of of those times will still be satisfying to us now. Like back then we were like, yeah. oh, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. It's just like chicken. Yeah. Like, um, no. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of York University, actually, one of the other first books of mine was the Counterculture Cookbook. Do you remember Counterculture? No. It was like a student-run vegetarian cafe in oh, York. Yeah. Uh, yes, I have. Like, I have a very vague memory of it, but I don't think I ever actually like went though. No, it was actually pretty good. Again, like in my memory, <laughs> yeah. it was good. Um, so they have a, they had, they made a cookbook and I actually still to this day, there's a couple of recipes. There's like a tofu egg salad in there. And that is still my go-to tofu egg salad. I use it like once a week or something. Okay. okay. I, I don't remember where I initially got my recipes from. I think what I did earlier on, because uh, my, my upbringing, like my family were Gujarati. And hmm. so the food that was made, like I live with my mom and the food that she made was like, pretty much vegan like Gujarati food hmm. if you take out the ghee which we didn't really use anyways uh, yeah. we mostly just used oil and if you don't add the yogurt on top after the dish is made most mm -hmm. of the food is like vegan so yeah. it wasn't cool. it wasn't this like huge thing but I remember my mom being like oh look I got you some soy milk and look I got you these <laughs> these these eyes of hot dogs and I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna make some vegan food for you and I'm like I didn't ask for any of this. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really want it. And uh, your food is already vegan, but thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> like she was excited in a way that I was like not excited, but it was interesting. Yeah. And um, I do remember though, because she had, I don't know why, but like 10 years prior to that, she had bought some Ives hot dogs and they were just the worst thing ever. But and then, then this time when she bought them, I'm like, oh, these actually do taste good. Because I would have never went mm -hmm. back thinking that they would have been exactly the same taste. But they mm -hmm. they did improve. And the soy milk was not what I expected because, in my opinion, it was going to be... Do you remember um, Santa Claus, the movie? And when <laughs> Oh, wait. Uh, no, I'm thinking of Elf. I don't know since... I mean, when you said... But I was very curious when you said... Do you remember Santa Claus? And I was like, yeah, I know who Santa Claus is. <laughs> <laughs> so in Santa Claus, the movie, Tim Allen's character, he, um, the first year when he's like begrudgingly Santa Claus, 
uh he he's drinking the no he's eating cookies and this little girl he's she's like but what about the milk and he's like santa's lactose intolerant <laughs> and he he just says that to like irritate her and so the next year he comes back and he does drink the milk and he's like Ugh. like he makes this like gross sound sorry for making that sound yeah. but he, he makes this gross sound and it just for some reason, it gave the impression like the milk was like sticky or something. And she says that, mm-hmm. oh, it's soy milk because you're lactose intolerant. So that did not leave a good impression in my mind. Uh, but yes, then my mom bought this. I think eventually I would have at some point consumed soy milk. Mm-hmm. But yes, so she bought yeah. this and I was like, oh, this stuff is actually good. I don't understand what people are complaining about. But I do remember speaking of like zines and stuff. I do remember looking at some of those mm-hmm. like Gita articles mm-hmm. and looking at some of the recipes in there. And I yeah. think one of my like first things that I made or I, I know that we made it so many times, like I made it and my siblings oh. who were not vegan at the time um, end up consuming it. I feel like it almost became like a staple, like it was made so many times in the house and it, it, it came from um, Farm Sanctuaries, like Veg Guide. And it was like, oh, a- yeah, totally. The mac and cheese. Wait, wait. Did you make oh. that ever? Because they did change no. the recipes in that. Okay. So it was the mac and cheese and it was made of nutritional yeast and just like oil. And it was so good. It was so mm. good. And you got that crispy thing on top and the mac and cheese was like gooey. Mm. The parts that's supposed to be gooey. Yeah. And um, afterwards, I figured out which uh, recipe book it came from. And the Toronto Public Library had one copy of it at their reference center. <laughs> and so I went there and looked at it. I don't, I didn't pick up any other recipes from it, but uh, it's called the New Farm Vegetarian Cookbook. And it's from 1988. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's super cool. I thought you were going to say, um, I forget her exact last name, Joanne something. So she had like the Uncheese Cookbook and then Vegan Biddles. And it's funny because I did the same thing. I was, um, I should look for that mac and cheese recipe now because again, I still have those and I still use them sometimes. But mm. I was, it was like a chocolate peanut butter pie thing that was in there. Was it, was it, was, was there tofu in it? Yeah, yeah. Silk and yes. tofu. Yeah. <laughs> that was another thing. That was another staple. Yeah. Like I just became obsessed with that. My sister became obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And she actually recently made it the the one and only time she actually went to the veg baking group meetup oh, she made that one with <gasps> peanut butter and one because mm. she was feeling rich with almond butter oh okay yeah. yeah so i remember yeah i remember that led me and i think there was i think the other thing that i used to like to make from there was like um a chicken salad which was made with tempeh anyways i think i found out that a lot of the recipes came from this author joanne and so i have a cookbook vegan vittles that was probably one of my earlier books as well again mm-hmm. inspired from the farm sanctuary booklet that's so fun yeah. <laughs> i i know i've heard of that book but i never tried it i think one of the problems mm-hmm. with cookbooks and back in those days mm-hmm. was there weren't enough pictures, pictures and so I no just pictures wasn't, in this. yeah so i just wasn't that inspired to make yeah. anything out of those um mm-hmm. those cookbooks but uh, the whole the whole reason that i want to do this podcast is because <laughs> i just i really like Isa Chandra Moskowitz and Terry Hope from Arrow's uh, cookbook series. I'm talking about mm-hmm. those those dessert cookbooks. There was they started yeah. with the cupcake, then they went into the cookie, mm-hmm. and they got into like pies and tarts. And mm-hmm. those those mm-hmm. I think are just like gems, and everyone should know about them. All vegans should know <laughs> about them, and all vegans should have them if they have any interest whatsoever in baking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you use like I'm assuming you have all three of them then? Can I tell you the story of the second one? 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so the second one I got from the library, the first one, my, my brother had a copy of it and we just shared it. Um, the second one I got from the library and um, I had rabbits at the time and I accidentally, the book got knocked off my desk and um, <clears throat> they took a few bites out of it. So I took <laughs> the library and lost it and then I just paid for it. And so that's why I have a copy of it. And that's why that copy is <laughs> from the library because yes, but it's, I, I did end up paying for it. Um, yes. And that's, that's, that is my most used cookbook. Oh, cool. And do you have the, do you have the pie one as well? I don't have the pie one because I'm okay. not really a pie person. I'm not a fan mm -hmm. of pie, but I assume most people are. So you should get all three. But if you're not a pie person, if you're not a cupcake person or a cookie person, you can leave off one of those ones. Yeah. yeah. Have you? I was going to say, well, okay, I have all three. And I was going to, the reason I was curious was because I find that it was like, yeah, I feel like with the cupcake one, it was like, okay, got it. Like used it all the time. I was all excited. And then there's like cookie one. Also like used it a bunch, but like a little bit less. And then the pie one, be honest, I feel like I've only ever <laughs> made something like twice. And I think it's just because I'm too lazy to make a pie. Like I know I could probably just do the filling and just buy a pie crust, but I don't know. I think that the recipe started to get a little bit more complicated than that one. So I, that's why I was just curious to know if you had also had that experience. Um, I'm sure the recipes are good. And I feel like I've had periods of my life where I'm like, okay, this is my goal. Like the next few months, I'm going to use this pie book, but I just never get around to it. Yes. The Vegetable Club had a... <laughs> Um, um, like a meetup thing around Christmas where we did a cookie exchange. Two of the people actually end up making cookies from that book. From there, yeah. And there was one that I thought I had tried, but I hadn't tried before. And I'm so glad that this guy made them because they were so good. They were hazelnut thumbprint cookies and oh. they tasted like Nutella. And oh, okay. I think, and if anyone gets the book and makes this, um, the book the book itself is called Vegan Cookies Invade Your Cookie Jar. I ended up making them and I think they were better when they're undercooked, when they're just slightly undercooked and they taste mm. so, so good. Yes. Yeah. And can I tell you one of the things I really like about that book? I feel like the cookie recipes are like truly vegan. And what I mean by that is that they don't, most of them don't use any kind of like butter substitute. They use oil. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah, I get a little bit like irked when I see people making recipe after recipe or publishing recipe after recipe that has butter in it, because to me, that just feels like you took, um, um, uh, I'm just going to call it a meat cookie. You took a meat cookie <laughs> recipe yeah. and you converted it. You do not truly create a vegan cookie recipe. And I, the same thing goes for their cupcake books. They they do a lot of this like curdling thing, which I think at the time mm -hmm. was new, using soy milk and then putting a little bit of apple cider vinegar in it. And to me, like that's like a true vegan cupcake because you're mm -hmm. using this technique. Now frosting, there's no getting around it. Frosting needs some sort of solid fat. But uh, the fact that they're using these like vegan techniques, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Because I feel like I, I know we've talked about this before on the podcast, like I personally feel like it's like pretty easy with all the products these days to like, yeah, like you don't need to have a vegan recipe. You can just take a regular recipe and just swap out the stuff. So I see what you're saying. It's kind of like, well, they didn't need to create their cookbook, not these people, but other people, <laughs> the US yeah. they didn't really come up with their own recipe because I could have gone and taken an Olson's cookie recipe and veganized it myself. Yeah. Or yeah, like use the, use the food shake app. 
to do yeah. that for you. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I really like that they do that. And I think the other thing, um, my partner really likes this recipe that's not at all related. But the reason he really likes this chocolate cake recipe is because there's no quote unquote weird ingredients in it. So he can yes. make it with like his niece or his nephew. And they're not like, what is this weird solid fat that's not butter or margarine mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Like yeah. there's nothing odd in it is stuff that um, anyone will find in their kitchen because I think that's one of the things that vegan food is sometimes critiqued for a specialty vegan food is that mm -hmm. it's like weird ingredients and so yeah. you're, you're getting away from that as well like taking soy milk and adding a little of apple cider vinegar to it like these are these are not weird ingredients and using oil instead of butter again that's not a weird thing uh, to do snickerdoodles for some reason I cannot find a single recipe for snickerdoodles without <laughs> butter or like some sort of solid fat like I, I don't know what it is oh. for that particular cookie yeah. hmm. anyway I don't, I don't know I was gonna say like I don't know the history of sticker doodles if that is like their defining feature it's not it's like cinnamon sugar or something right yeah so it's not whole... like it's like a shortbread or something mm -hmm. yeah yeah so now another trio of cookbooks were the um I'm going to forget the second person's name, were the mm -hmm. Sarah Kramer and Tanya Bernard ones did you try any of those Barbie Yes, I do have them all. And again, I think the Sarah Kramer one, I think the Sarah Kramer one was the first real cookbook that I ever like saw and bought in a store. I can still, it's so weird. I can picture myself being in like the bookstore, whatever it was, Kohl's or something in like Hillcrest Mall and buying that book. <laughs> I can still really remember it. Yeah. So I feel like I liked it at the time. It's not a book like all three of them. I feel like I don't use them too too often um definitely actually in one of them it's not it's not the first one um how it all began it's one of the other ones um there's like this something called the cure uh cure what ails you garlic soup and that is like a recipe that i use anytime i get sick because i genuinely i mean it could be all my head or coincidence but i really feel like i have that soup and i'm better and it's just like it's like a miso, you make like a miso broth and it has like eight or 10 cloves of garlic or something um, and super good. So yeah, I used it for that. Um, I think you've mentioned this one before. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So um, yeah, but I mean, they have so much in it. They're definitely cookbooks that I feel like I often, um, like I often, I go through phases where like different cookbooks that I haven't used in a while, I'll like read through them like in bed and like pull down all the recipes I want to try. So I feel like whenever I look through them, there's lots of things that I would like to try, but I just, for whatever reason, haven't gotten around to it mm -hmm. enough. Which one's the green one? How it all began. That How was the began. first one. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, that book was so popular. It was translated mm -hmm. and oh. my, my partner's mom actually has it, the French version. In and, French? Yeah. <laughs> So and cool. uh, it's, it's called Vous avez dit vegan. So um, did someone say vegan? And oh. She, yeah. It, I guess the other term doesn't translate or the actual title doesn't translate well. And uh, she still makes the shepherd's pie out of it Ooh, for him like on a regular right. basis. So whenever you go to visits. Yeah. It's either, <laughs> it's either her own lasagna recipe that she veganizes or she ends up making the, um, the shepherd's pie. I was going to say like they're definitely... Um books that just like have a lot of recipes in them and like you said there's no pictures but that's like part of it so I feel like especially like the the last one La Dolce Vegan which is the blue one um sometimes there's like three recipes on a page so like they're quick and like easy and simple and stuff and there's no pictures um but yeah so I feel like you could definitely if you were like I still think they would work for like a new vegan who just needs like a ton of recipes uh in that way Mm -hmm. I always 
always felt like there should be, uh, since we're back in the 2000s, there should be like a Flickr page or site. Yeah. That that had all the images, like people oh, are making yeah. them. So then you can go and reference it um, because there, there's no reason to ignore these old cookbooks. They still have good things in it, but we are visual creatures. We want those pictures. So why isn't there? Yes. Have you searched? Have you? Uh, well, maybe there is. Well, I haven't searched recently, so maybe I should go back and do that. Yes. Yeah. Or we could start one. That's a cool. That's a cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the um, I think it was in the pink one. I don't know the names of any. Yeah. So you'll fill in the name. Garden of Vegan. Okay. So I think it was in that one where they had a um, what are those called? The cakes with like pudding in them that have like a pudding-y thing. So when you cut into them... Like a lava cake? Yes, lava cake. There oh, you go. Yeah. So there's a recipe for one of those and in, in, in that. And it was... I just... I'm not a huge pudding person, so I did not enjoy mm-hmm. it. But um, I know... It's so, so like that's my, my personal taste. But the cake itself was actually quite good. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, I probably, like many listeners, have this bad habit of taking the book like I just check them out of the library most of the time um and then flipping through them and just returning them afterwards so I yeah (laughs) so even though I've had all three books in my hand at one point or another I've probably only made one recipe from each one of them but the recipes all did turn out good so uh yeah yeah no complaints there but the but the again the three the Issa Chandra Moskowitz and the Terry Hope Romero those three books those are worth buying because you cannot just continuously check the books out from the library. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we already know which book was my favorite or which series, I guess, was my favorite. But uh, the Barbie cookies. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the, yes. <laughs> that is the one that I make the most. Um, Barbie, what was your favorite retro cookbook? My favorite. Okay. What did we talk about so far? We talked about the Isas. Um. I would say in terms of like older books, um, actually probably either two two that we haven't talked about yet. One would be um, Robin Robertson's Vegetarian Meat and Potatoes. Um, and that was also one of, that was my, that was my partner's first vegetarian cookbook and his parents gave it to him. Um, so definitely it's one that now is like completely broken. Um, <laughs> and we do use it uh, quite a bit. And it, it's, it's called the Queen Potatoes Cookbook. It literally does have a few chapters that are specifically like all potato recipes, like every way that you can mm-hmm. think of cute potatoes. But it's also kind of like a comfort food kind of book, generally speaking. And the other is Jay Steele. So Jay Steele is actually a local cookbook author. I don't think she like isn't an active cookbook author anymore. Um, she's uh, got into some other professions, but yeah. So she actually, again, speaking of zines, so I first got her book. She had started before she published books. She had little cook zines. So I still use uh, recipes out of there. I'm trying to think of, think of examples. Um, oh, my favorite recipe ever is a recipe. I forget exactly what it is. It's like a long title. It's like, coconut cauliflower chana curry on rice or something and it's one of those like tomato coconut milk based uh sauces with yeah like i just said cauliflower red peppers chickpeas and things um i love that so she eventually published two books get it ripe and ripe from around here three cook scenes i think one of them was called ripe I forget what the first two were called, but yeah. And then she has two cookbooks, Get It Ripe and Ripe from Around Here. And those are also both just kind of staples uh, that I use. Those I actually still use quite frequently and have tried many recipes for both of them. How many cookbooks do you have? I'm looking over at my shelf. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say about 50. 
do you use them on a regular basis or is it? I use cookbooks generally like on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I would say looking at them, like there's definitely some that I like almost never use, but the problem is like, I can't get, it's so hard. Like I have gotten rid of some over the years, but like, like the rule now, because I have them on a particular shelf when there isn't space. So the rule is if I buy something, something has to go. Um, but I feel like all of them, so all of them that are left at this point, like I've already tried to purge, all of them are definitely ones that I do use sometimes, but there's only so many meals in a week, right? So yeah, it probably turns out that I only use them maybe a few times a year, each of them, you know, because then there are also certain recipes that you have a staple that you go back to. How about you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I have, I have a few digital ones. I think I have mm-hmm. like, this is not going to be a big number. I have like three digital ones. The cookie one's my only physical one. But what? I think that I think that tells you something, right? Yeah. The digital ones I actually never use. Yeah. Um, but the cookie one's my only physical one. The cupcake, mm-hmm. I should buy that because as I said, my brother had that. And at that time mm-hmm. I was living with him. But yeah. now that I'm not, I never end up using it simply because I don't have a physical copy of it. Yeah. So I should just end up buying it because... Why would I make cupcakes for anything else? Because these cupcakes are so, so very good. Yeah. 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 So one physical cookbook and it's that cookie one. Yeah. <laughs> I had other ones, but I know I must have had at least like one or two, not like you, mm-hmm. but like yes. one or two. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably got rid of them. It's funny to me because like you don't even strike me as a person who has like a particularly strong sweet tooth. So it's like of all the cookbooks, the fact that yours is a cookie book surprises me unless I'm wrong. Oh no, I have a very strong sweet tooth. Oh, I, okay. I just, I just try <laughs> to control it. Yes. You're just good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try to control it. Yes. Yes. Um, but no, very strong sweet tooth. Um, so our next episode is going to be Barbie going through all 50 of her cookbooks and telling her, the top, <laughs> telling us the top recipe from each one. So, um, Barbie, you'll probably need a couple of weeks to prepare that. It gives us enough time. We'll come <laughs> back to that. I kid, but I'm also actually just very curious. So mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows if that'll come up? <laughs> Before we jump off, we just have a few of your favorites. Yeah. And actually, you know, now that I'm looking at this list again, there are so many here that I do also love that I didn't even think to mention. Um, so some that weren't mentioned by us was um, Hot Damn Hell Yeah, which is um, a little, again, it's kind of like a little zine type book. It was like a little self-published book um, that has a lot of like Southern recipes. Also with uh, Issa Chandler Moskowitz, uh, Vega with a Vengeance. That's also a great one. Uh, Refresh. I do have this one as well. That was like the fresh cookbook. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, do you have, have you that it? one? Yeah. <laughs> I I don't have it. That that's courtesy of the library, mm-hmm. but I have used that one. Yeah, that's fun. I remember there's been like times where like I'll go to Fresh and I'm like, oh, Fresh is so good. And then I'm like, I could maybe I should check and see if this recipe is like in the book. But sometimes they change things. That's what these restaurants do. They'll change things. Like the Sam Houston burrito was so good, but the recipe that they have is slightly different. Yeah. I think they've changed a lot of their menu now too. I don't think they even, like, I feel like their menu is probably like, except for like the quinoa onion rings. It's like, it's very yes, different than it used to be. But then, then give us the original recipes. Yeah. Not these <laughs> knockoff versions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lick in the Beaters. That was a cool one. That's also a local. Um, That was a candy. Uh, Sue Moffat was the name of the woman. Um, Yeah. that Those are, she had Lick in the Beaters and Lick in the Beaters too. And um. She used like a pretty cool like science, like so she, it had like actual like confectionery stuff. So it'd be like where it would be like 
you know, boil your sugar until it reaches like X temperature or something like that. And I think to be honest, that's why that was one of the books that I did eventually sadly give away to make room for something else. And it wasn't because I didn't think it was a good book, but it was like, I just knew I was never going to take the time to like do it properly. That that description actually makes me want to try it out. <gasps> okay, then look for it. <laughs> Juice for Life was also like a fresh one. Um, we've got, yeah, mention of the Uncheese Cookbook, Compassionate Cook, the Nutritional Yeast Cookbook. Have you heard of that one? No. What is this? It just says, uh, all she said, uh, this came from Brandy. She just said, the original source of so many cheese attempts. Oh, it's also by Joanne um, Stepanyak or whatever, um, the same author as Vegan Vittles in the Uncheese Cookbook. Mm. Wow. So she was really into cheese, that lady. <laughs> Diet for a New World by John Robbins. Um, yeah. So those are those are some of the other favorites. All all good ones. There's just a few, a few that I've not tried. That is food for thought. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Veg Out, Toronto's vegetarian podcast. You can listen to past episodes on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Stitcher. Remember to subscribe where you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Matt Judge for our theme song. Until next time, Veg Out.